Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westbeth demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking a movie from 1994, part of our James Cameron Month series, True Lies. True Lies, not streaming anywhere. Yep, available nowhere. (laughs) Right. So uh, it turns out that James Cameron is insistent upon overseeing release of all his up-reses to 4K, and he's just Mm. too busy with the avatars. So this, along with our previous release, The Abyss, available nowhere in high definition. So this is a James Cameron thing. This isn't like a lack of interest thing. It naturally relegates The Abyss and True Lies to lower esteem or regard from James Cameron himself, it seems. Maybe it's intentional because True Lies, I wouldn't say Abyss, but True Lies is best just kind of left to <laughs> languish. It faced criticism for, for racism, the depictions of the, uh, you know, the terrorists and things. James Cameron's not having it. He's saying that it wasn't intentional. Look, I needed a convenient villain. It could have been a convenient group of villains. It could have been anyone. It could have been Irish terrorists or whatever. But it was condemned by the National Council on Islamic Affairs and the American Arab Relations Committee. They boycotted it, you know, pretty much universally across the Middle East. So at the time of its release or later yes at the time i mean i'm sure still i mean i just cause i wonder how much of um you know the current political correctness it's always been important right but it's kind of come more to the forefront of social consciousness being more aware and racially uh sexual orientation all those kinds of sensitivities what i'm saying is like in in the mid 90s people were already aware and speaking out against the overt stereotyping and racism in True Lies. Well, the people that felt like they were unfairly portrayed, absolutely. And it's not like he's super resistant, James Cameron. He acknowledges, but also there was a sequel. He wrote a sequel script and it was going to take place with terrorists and there was going to be a portion of it where Arnold Schwarzenegger is fighting terrorists on a plane. And that script was put on hold after 9-11. And James Cameron himself said that he understands that terrorism is no longer something to be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. Never saw the light of day. And there was talk about a TV show even on Disney+, Plus, but that never came to pass. Or it hasn't so far. Well, taken lightly, I think, is the imperative, right? This is supposed to be an action comedy. Yeah, I think this is the closest James Cameron comes to a full-on comedy. It's like he challenged himself to make a funny movie. I mean, I could see how he might want to follow up Terminator 2 with something different, right? (laughs) And, hey, I'm going to try my hand at comedy. I'm not going to just be the action guy. 
But I understand that the true life story, unlike Terminator and The Abyss, was adapted. This was based on somebody else's screenplay. Is that right? Yep. A French film called La Totale. Uh, basically the same premise as Mr. and Mrs. Smith, except the Helen Tasker character isn't a spy to begin with, but it was about a guy who was pretending to be a normal businessman when all the while he's a spy behind the scenes. So my first thought was maybe James Cameron should stick to the stuff that his that is original to him, you know, that comes from him, right? His passion comes through in the movies that involve science and water and action like this is very much uh you know these are his passion points in life where he you can tell how invested he is in in the films comedy piece not so much and i think that kind of starts with arnold schwarzenegger so can we talk about casting here yes but first let's let's acknowledge the fact that arnold schwarzenegger also should have been wary of the comedy elements because he was coming off of his first ever flop with the last action hero the year before uh, doesn't, didn't mm. stop him from going on to jingle all the way after this. Well, Brian told me from his research, and I'm not sure where this falls in the timeline of Arnold Schwarzenegger's filmography, but Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't feel like he came into his own, or Arnold Schwarzenegger felt like he arrived when he did Kindergarten Cop, that he felt like a, I don't know, fully rounded actor, or like he had discovered a new part of himself as an actor in that film, which is a straight up comedy, very lighthearted. So then Arnold Schwarzenegger had already found his groove as a comedic actor in Kindergarten Cop before True Lies and maybe went in with some confidence. Yes, until he experienced a flop. But after the flop Mm. that was Last Action Hero, he eagerly jumped back into the fold with James Cameron because of their success. So they had evolved as people. Obviously, people want different things. And our concept of action stars is not what they feel is their strength. Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to be a comedy star. Robert De Niro loves doing comedies. Christopher Walken wants to be a dancer and a chef, and he's like the intense guy, right? (laughs) And Jackie Chan won't rest until he makes a musical. But uh, I don't know. He came into his own personally, and I think that's great, and more power to that insanely rich dude that we all you know know and, and grew up with and everything. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know that that True Lies is the most well-rounded movie to represent his personal aesthetic. I hear you. So let's get the timeline straight. Kindergarten Cop, 1990. T2, 1991. Last Action Hero, 1993. And True Lies, 1994. So it's possible that Last Action Hero and True Lies were happening concurrently and that the realization that Last Action Hero was or would be a flop didn't come until, you know, being well into True Lies. Yeah. I mean, obviously, these movies can't happen overnight, but this is not Arnold Schwarzenegger month. This is James Cameron month. (laughs) That's that's right. Although I'm assuming that Arnold Schwarzenegger's casting had, you know, was James Cameron's call. And they had, like you said, great success with Terminator 2. I just don't know that James Cameron could see past their friendship or their previous professional success and partnership to see that, you know, maybe Arnie wasn't quite the right choice for True Lies. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around why. He's charming. He looks great. He's a great action star. You know, he's he is funny. He's got really successful one-liners and comedic moments from other movies. Why doesn't he work? But fair. Let's talk about James Cameron. Wait, how dare you suggest that he doesn't work? Didn't you see the subtitles where it said perfect Arabic that he spoke? <laughs> Look, I did see I that. I doubt it. I don't even I don't even think 
Arnold Schwarzenegger speaks perfect German. He definitely doesn't speak <laughs> perfect Arabic, but okay. He doesn't even speak perfect English. Yep, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek there. And I mean that in the best... His English is fine. His accent, we've come to just accept. It's his To thing. overlook completely. There are two reasons why I'm not sure that, that this was Arnold Schwarzenegger's fault in transitioning to talking about James Cameron. This movie is James Cameron, I think, his concept of what comedy is supposed to be. And that is big action stuff trying to be made funny. The horse in the hotel and the thing with the camera and the battery and the... The dudes on skis with Uzis and stuff. The ooze skis. Ooze skis. And there were a lot of moments that were handed to Schwarzenegger to be funny. Uh, Some worked better than others. But generally speaking, the idea, when I look back on True Lies, I think of the Harrier stuff, obviously the end scene. And then the horse stuff, which I really don't like as much. And we Mm -hmm. get into proper James Cameron territory in Act 3. But in Act 1, there's a lot of weirdness going on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you track the horse and the chase and the fight in the bathroom. But Arnold Schwarzenegger was in like, I don't know, 30 percent of those shots, because even in ultra low res, this weird letterbox format that we watched it in, the abundance of stunt doubling was painfully obvious. Did you feel that? I did. And I get it in T2 why he puts on the sunglasses because you got all the motorcycle stuff happening. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, and you need you kind of need to be able to mask your actor a little bit. But I didn't understand why he put on the sunglasses for the bathroom scene. If you know, the only reason was so that they could stunt double him in this otherwise kind of routine fight scene. I mean, it was great and it was cool with all the water pouring in. You can't have a James Cameron movie without water. But why did they stunt double him so much in the bathroom scene? And why was it so obvious? I know it's hard tile. And he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, even though he was wearing multiple layers of clothing and an overcoat. You know, Viggo Mortensen did hardcore bathroom tile stuff with like dong out and everything in in, in, uh, Eastern Promises. That's what it was. He fought in an actual bathroom, but naked, like on hard tile. Arnold Schwarzenegger had water and overcoat and couldn't do it. There was a lot that he did, but there was way too much that he didn't do. Even Kelly Ray noted that she's like, that's not him at all. He can't run down the hill in the snow away from the ooze skis. <laughs> and just it, it started a rolling ball of just like, wow, wow, wow. That wasn't even him. Wow. And unlike T2, where I guess maybe they were kind of closer, you know, we had a very definitive look with the leather jacket and all that stuff and the sunglasses. The guy doubling Arnold in this movie wasn't very close. He had lighter hair. Very different face. Maybe he was busy, like, doing the last action hero press junket. Or maybe he's like, I'm Arnie. I don't need to do that stuff. Just give me the close-ups and the one-liners. Yep. Maybe he doesn't want to get bumps and bruises anymore at this stage. Because, this. I mean, he was old. Sorry. He was old in the early, mid-90s. And uh, this one felt more dated than Terminator 2 to me. Mm-hmm. which yeah. was older. Uh, the Abyss, Agreed. not so much, because in most of his other movies, it's either a period movie like Titanic or we're in a completely different environment. But we're in the real world a lot of the time, and it didn't help that they, he wanted to, as a comedy, to keep it contemporary. You know, uh, Beavis and Butthead, awkward. Sally, Jesse, who's that? Rambo, the mention, is a little bit dated. Her parents <laughs> her parents are Axl Rose and Madonna. <laughs> The Tom Arnold line. (laughs) Yeah, good luck cutting through that noise or something to that effect. But my main issue with casting Arnold is pretty simple. It's like Jamie Lee Curtis can't imagine 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, her husband, as an action hero. Yep. She doesn't notice that he's like massively buff. <laughs> and we, and when we get in the hotel room, when he's like smooching on her and she doesn't know it's him and bashes him with the phone, and she yeah. still didn't recognize her husband. Uh, how do you not know that it's Arnold Schwarzenegger getting beat up when he's going, oh, oh. And and then he has to say, Helen. And she's like, Harry? As if she had no idea. (laughs) Those were really good Arnie efforts. Really good. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's good that she stands up for herself, but it took a little while. I mean, she gets pretty far into that whole dance. I I was pretty uncomfortable. Throughout that routine, it did not feel endemic. Is that the word? It did not feel natural to James Cameron for him to film that scene. Not only the um, the dancing, but also when she's on the bed and they're kissing. I felt very, <laughs> I felt very uncomfortable. So I was glad when she nails him with the phone. But it took her a while to stick up for herself. But it was funny. Brian came in like right in the middle of the dance scene, <sighs> and he was like, "Oh, this is the most iconic moment in the film." And I was like, "Wait, what?" The dancing and then she falls and I was like oh yeah I remember and that's the comedy beat that I think it was all playing toward it was all leading up to but I don't know it may it maybe was weird for James Cameron it wasn't really weird for Jamie Lee Curtis I think it's always going to be awkward no matter what because with our modern perspective it is a little bit icky like the way that it's pulled off and I think in general not just the racial stuff, but also just the misogyny and, you know, mm-hmm. like the abyss where the queen bitch of the world walks into the room. There were a lot of bitches uh, mentioned mm-hmm. and there was mm-hmm. a lot of slapping and there was a lot of slapping bitches <laughs> that it doesn't age terribly well. Um, mm-hmm. And the, I guess, exploitation. I mean, she she came into her own for sure and, and really threw down later in the movie. But it felt awkward, and I acknowledge it. I felt it the same you did pretty much the whole way through. But also, yeah, it's there's... probably it's probably a cumulative effect, right? She gets kidnapped and blackmailed by a government agency, but not really exploiting her for the purposes of a of a fake mission, a fake operation, so that her husband can get some. In- the whole thing is kind of icky, so I think it's a cumulative effect by the time she takes off her clothes. And but nothing makes it more awkward than James Cameron delving right into the whole comedy thing without restraint. This is an R-rated movie, so they can say and do pretty much whatever they want. Nothing worse or more awkward or more smarmy than the lovable Bill Paxton in one of his Mm. best roles. But man, that guy was terrible. (laughs) The only thing that I think the closest I can come to conveying what Bill Paxton was in this movie is his line, the vet gets them wet, which is maybe the nicest one that we can choose. He was grody, man. And... And uh, with his little floppy hair and stuff. But still, (laughs) if you can remove yourself from this movie and be like, it's James Cameron, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's Bill Paxton, of course he is. Somehow, strangely, not forgivable, but understandable. You know what I mean? Especially for the context and the time. I guess you can give it some latitude, but doesn't help overall how True Lies ages. And it's, you know, Bill Paxton, a James Cameron regular it's a fun role. He's no stranger to comedy or to like doofy kind of gross dudes. Hysterics. <laughs> you can't have a, a James Cameron Bill Paxton movie where it's not he's not hysterical at some point. I thought that, you know, when they 
rip the bag off his head and he's above the dam or whatever. Yep. That wide-eyed, crazy look that he gives, I felt was very signature Bill Paxton. Game over, man. Bill Paxton is the best Bill Paxton. <laughs> Game, o- Game over, man. What about Tom Arnold? Uh, Tom Arnold, this, I mean, Tom Arnold should thank his lucky stars for this movie and James Cameron. Uh, He appreciated that James Cameron really went to bat for him in this movie. They didn't want to cast him. And so they were good friends. He and Arnold Schwarzenegger were were good friends. I'm not sure if they are now, but definitely Tom Arnold's highest. Name another Tom Arnold movie go. What do you got? The Stupids? Did you see The Stupids? Mm-mm. Nothing. So Tom Arnold had, this is his big moment in the sun, and by in the sun I mean at night with blue light in a James Cameron movie, in a van. But Tom Arnold, some of the dated inappropriateness aside, was great in this film. Yeah. What's he, what is he known for? He's known for comedy and for marrying, being a relatively obscure comic and marrying Roseanne. But no, Roseanne, he, she does this thing where she marries like random people like uh, the struggling comic and the construction worker and pulls them from obscurity or whatever. They had a contentious marriage and relationship that Ice Cube, like what kind of crazy bitch steals, takes the Ice Cube trays out of the freezer? That was a direct reference to Roseanne Barr when they got divorced. She took the ice cubes out of the freezer? Yeah. And to Kelly's point, she was like, why would she leave? Well, she left him the fridge, didn't didn't she? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he is a comedic actor and he's perfectly funny as the as the comic foil and the hapless sidekick. Got no complaints about Tom Arnold in this movie. Overall, I think it was his best role and probably front and center on his resume. I thought True Lies was a big deal and was ranked right up there. And it was just one that I didn't like as much. But apparently not everyone is a True Lies fan. And in in that way, like The Abyss, for different reasons, it stood out among the James Cameron litany of films in a way that I didn't expect. I was surprised by how less good True Lies was. Me too. I figured it was a film, it was a title that I had just overlooked, but that was still relevant to James Cameron and Arnie and 90s action film fans. But it seems like it's kind of, it's lapsed into relative obscurity, especially from being from such prominent filmmakers. But there's a reason why. It's, um, for me, the set pieces don't exactly feel cohesive or coherent. They don't feel particularly story-driven. It's like, all right, how do we get a horse in there? How do we get jets in there? Let's do the helicopters piece set piece let's do the limo set piece let's do the chick fight in the limo like it was james cameron saying this would be fun let's just kind of string these incidences <laughs> together even in the bathroom scene why kelly was like why are they gonna they, they're trying to find out who he is but they haven't unmasked the harry Rehnquist identity his cover why does he have to post up like directly behind him in order to shoot him Why don't you just come in guns blazing in the bathroom? And also, why do they need to get all suited up in tech gear, tactical gear to To, invade? To scare scare Bill Paxton? (laughs) Yeah, to invade his trailer. Like, they know he's not a spot. They know he's just a random dude. So why do they get all suited up in order to invade his trailer? Because that's how you go in with all your gear. Are we making world-class cinema here? No, we're doing podcasting, but we're still doing it with multi-million dollar equipment and every, every tool in our arsenal, right? (laughs) Well, thankfully, it's a pretty affordable space to enter into. I get that there was an aspect of just the spectacle of it, right? They wanted to scare him. They wanted him to feel like it was real in a big operation, which it actually kind of was. But like to arm themselves to the the nines to take down a dude who's unarmed with, you know, his, his wife, it was just action Jackson level overkill. 
Yeah, like carving off the end of his trailer instead of just coming through the door. <laughs> exactly. Like his maximum security trailer. This movie is one of those movies where you watch and, and funny stuff happens and you're like, that's funny. But you don't actually laugh. Yeah. And then you get to the end and we then we fully transition and all of this stuff pays off. But there are much less funny moments when we go Super James Cameron at the end. Arnold is is not bumbling or hapless in any he wasn't before, but he's fully in control and catchphrases and all that stuff. And we the only remnant of real comedy is undoubtedly, I will maintain the worst part of true lies. Which Ooh, was tell me. the Uzi down the stairs. Just, oh, ugh, like it's hard to watch. Painful. And so that was Helen Tasker's entree or foray into spy territory. And she's lucky she didn't get herself killed. Uh, kissing in front of the mushroom cloud was probably the microcosm, like yes. the epitome of how this movie doesn't work. Yep. Unrealistic, kind of distasteful and totally incongruent. Um, you know, major catastrophic disaster with horrible future fallout and these two people who I felt like didn't have a ton of chemistry coming together. just It just didn't work for me. It was like Independence Day and the city and major, huge buildings are falling down all around them. But if the dog is saved, like we're okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and people are all about that, man. It's all about you want to feel good or whatever. You want to feel some... It's like a Jolly Rancher or something when you're having a bad day. It's the one thing you can hang on to. All of this until we really get into James Cameron mode and don't look back. And there were real Harriers and they really reinstated parts of the bridge to blow it up. And even the model itself was an 80 foot long stretch of bridge that they blew to hell. The good, the bad and the ugly style. And there was some wonkiness and it looks a little bit dated in the Harrier scenes, which I'm sure they would fix in post for a 4K release. But all in all, big action, uh, even with the implausibility of the missile's trajectory with the dude attached to it and stuff. And it was nominated for special effects and mm -hmm. lost to Forrest Gump that year, which mm. were, you know, more understated. More understated, more story-driven effects, perhaps. But A for effort in terms of the action stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think there was actually a dude hanging off of that helicopter trailing the limo. Isn't Jamie Lee Curtis actually hanging off of that helicopter? Uh, I'm not sure, but it looks convincing. It's a great, you know, final shot. She's a little bit shrill and screaming kind of a lot, but I guess that's what you do uh, in the early stages of your, your transition to spy superstardom or whatever. I mean, the lore is that it was her and that it was on her birthday. Really? And that's one hell of a way to spend your birthday, dangling from a helicopter over water. I mean, that would be cool. In a, ma in a major action film. You know, could this have been a, could True Lies have been the film where James Cameron was working out his success, reconciling his filmmaking with his success. I mean, he came off a massive hit and he had a lot of money to make this film. I think the most in his career at the time and wants to prove himself maybe in the comedy genre. Biggest budget. His biggest budget, I think one of the biggest budgets of all time at that time, uh, obviously eclipsed by Titanic later, but he was flexing mm -hmm. them muscles. Yeah, and reconciling his filmmaking with his success and having a lot of fun doing the stuff he loves. Um, was this the first time, I'm just taking a guess, was this the first time that Harriers appeared in the film? I mean, highly technical instruments of military might and warcraft and, and great, but 
they used the Harriers in the scene with the daughter who I kind of wasn't invested in at all. No, an awkward transition to her. It was like a tacked on third act 2.0 or whatever. It's like <laughs> act 3.5 where the movie's over and they smooch and then, hey, so, oh, sorry, I don't know how it happened. It must have been in the middle of the night, but they got Dana. It's a hostage and, and we got to go. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. The segue to the third act feels weird. I guess we're invested in Harry and it's cool to see Harry pilot the Harrier, but the mission, <laughs> the mission to save the daughter and I guess do away with the bad guy, even though he wasn't, it was more about the daughter than it was about doing away with the bad guy was where it felt kind of unmotivated to me. I feel like we're giving network notes on this poor movie. It's like, hey, we need continuity throughout. Can we thread these themes? That would be great. Like, <laughs> we don't care about Dana. How can we, How let's set Dana up more cleanly in, in act one. Why does Tia Carrere disappear for um, an hour and then suddenly show up again when it's convenient, you know? This is what I deal with on a daily basis, though, by the way. And, yes. And, and we're looking at True Lies more critically than we are just kind of enjoying the experience because that's what we do and also the presentation was garbage sorry we live in 2022 and we both have big tvs and and we got you know the equivalent of a 40 inch uh, screen in low definition where the stunt people were painfully obvious i don't know kind of a bummer presentation that that i don't think detracts from the themes of the movies which i think we've done it's not like it looked bad it just was yeah maybe not as carefully constructed probably as you said because of the adaptation I think that has a lot to do with it. And of course, we're looking at this through a James Cameron lens, which means that we hold True Lies to a much higher standard than perhaps films from other action films from other filmmakers. And I don't want to just like, you know, nitpick it and poo poo True Lies, but it was a bit <laughs> of a slog for me to get through. And James Cameron, I think, has more heart and has more messages, more messaging in films that originate with him. And that stories that, you know, stories that really motivate and move him. So overall, what is your rating of True Lies? It takes, I guess, the romantic comedy and, and elevates it to levels it's probably never seen before and hasn't since. Who would put, you know, a hundred plus million dollar budget in the mid er, mid early 90s into a into an action comedy, romantic comedy? <laughs> um <laughs> It's a different kind of movie. Again, we're, we're looking at it th through the lens of James Cameron movies. And I really had this idea that the guy can do no wrong. And technically, that may be the case. There's nothing wrong with True Lies in the space of what it was in 1994. Uh, we have to allow that things are the world is very different. And so you can't fault the movie for what it was trying to achieve, except for the, you know, the being conscientious of representation for Middle Eastern countries and their people. But from my chair, I can see that they weren't trying to be offensive and I'm not going to condemn it for that. So it was an all right movie for sure. It was a James Cameron movie that was fun, uh, just not as fun as I remember it 28 years ago. Hmm. You didn't have any fun? Are you going to give True Lies, a James Cameron film, a boring? <laughs> yeah, this is where my rating scale becomes a little trickier. My rating scale being, of course, good and boring. The equivalent of a thumbs up or a thumbs down. There's not a lot of middle ground. I mean, you can, but after how much I gushed about Terminator 2, spoiler, this is certainly a lesser movie. But, you know, people, I'm sure he faced criticism from the purists anyway. Terminator originally was pretty close to a horror movie. And Terminator 2 was much lighter and more fun and more funny. And he just continued those themes, I think, with True Lies. 
And so you're going to get your detractors who want the big bad James Cameron, but this was his foray into lighter fare that had lots of swear words and uncomfortable stuff. <laughs> I guess I'll take a network position on True Lies and say that the story wasn't tracking for me. And as cool as the action set pieces were, and as deftly as James Cameron can kind of handle those, I don't think it really gelled. And so your review is, your official rating? Boring. Wow. All right, so I guess there had to be one of them in James Cameron month. And I don't know that anybody's going <laughs> to, I don't think they're going to come at you, bro about that one necessarily. We still have to look at Piranha 2, uh, the big bad Avatar, and the other big bad Titanic. And I'm pretty sure that at least a couple of those won't draw anything <laughs> close to a boring. I mean, we're building the stuff here. Yep. Despite my review, ultimately, I was glad to revisit True Lies in understanding the overall body of work of James Cameron, which is what we're doing this April with James Cameron Month. We hope that you've been enjoying our exploration of James Cameron's filmography, including this review on True Lies. Check out our other reviews in this month's series and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you, 818-838-835-0473. Or whatever movies at gmail.com, at or whatever movies on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.